and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm Executive Editor Sean Schmidt, and I'm joined today by Senior Reporter for Dose Al Farouk, also known as Danny. So, Danny, let's get right into it. This week, you wrote about the Medical Device User Fee Amendments Negotiations, also known as MEDUFA 5. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration it wants to increase funding for a new program, but industry doesn't seem too excited about it. Sort this out for us. Thanks, Sean. As you mentioned, we've been eagerly following and covering the Medufa 5 negotiations. This past week, the FDA finally released minutes from its meeting with industry from back in early April, which centered around a new program the agency is pitching. Essentially, the FDA wants to raise more money through user fees for a TPLC advisory program, or TAP. As listeners may know, TPLC stands for the Total Product Lifecycle. As the name suggests, it's a philosophy the FDA has adopted to follow the safety and efficacy of marketed products well after they're allowed on the market. Yeah, that's been an ongoing focus for the agency, so much so that they created a new super office around it a few years ago, the Office of Product Evaluation and Quality, or OPEC. Now, what exactly would the top program be, and what would it mean for the FDA and industry? You know, for years, the FDA has been telling sponsors to come to them early on to discuss what they need to do in order to get their products through the FDA review process. The agency has even developed processes for sponsors to have pre-submission talks with regulators. It gives sponsors a chance to figure out what the agency is looking for and what it may object to in their application to make the review process go smoother. The number of pre-submission requests have really increased over the past few years and has taken a toll on the agency's resources. Now the FDA says it essentially wants to go even further with its pre-submission idea and bring in external experts through the TAP program. The external experts could include payers, providers, and professional societies that can advise the FDA and industry on what characteristics should be factored in when determining the safety and efficacy of a product. I mean, physicians can provide more nuanced perspective on what the product needs to do in order to be really beneficial to patients. Similarly, payers can talk about what they're looking for in a product in order to find it worth reimbursing. It's definitely an interesting concept. Yeah, and that last part sounds very much like the FDA's parallel review program with CMS, the Medicare agency, which hasn't really had a lot of success. It also sounds like the FDA is really looking to get a lot more information and engagement from all stakeholders long before a product is ready for submission in general. So what does the medtech industry think about this? Well, as expected, they sound quite skeptical, to put it bluntly. You know, this is my second Medufa negotiation meeting that I've covered. And as before, industry repeats this mantra that products should be reviewed using congressional appropriations or taxpayer dollars. The user fees are just supposed to be the icing on the cake to help the FDA get additional funds to do its job. But of course, there are all sorts of performance metrics tied to those extra dollars. So here again, industry said it doesn't really think there's a lot of value in a TAP program and was skeptical that the external stakeholders the FDA wants to pull into the program will be cooperative. Instead, industry wants to continue talking about how the FDA used MEDUFA for funds and whether the agency met its obligations. Both sides have agreed to create a working group to hash out things like how the FDA is measuring its success in the last user fee deal, what it can do with any carryover funds, and the fact that a number of FDA staff positions that were supposed to be filled under MEDUFA 4 are still vacant. In the meantime, industry says it wants to continue finding ways to get more efficiency and consistency out of the review process. 
And that last part is really the key based on my conversations with industry over the years. They really want consistency with how reviewers evaluate products, which gives the sponsors a lot more predictability, which is really important to their investors. Nobody wants to file for a pre-market application where there is a high level of uncertainty about whether a product will make it through the finish line. Thanks for that news on Medufa 5, Danny. And you mentioned pre-submission meetings earlier. So it reminded me that Jeff Shuren, the director of the FDA's device center, he reiterated in a June 15th podcast with AdvaMed CEO Scott Whitaker that the device center won't be accepting certain pre-sub meeting requests until 2022. Really, right now, the only new products that can get a company a pre-sub meeting is that their devices treat COVID-19, if it's a breakthrough device or if it's a companion diagnostic. Otherwise, you're pretty much out of luck when it comes to getting that pre-sub FaceTime, at least till next year. Sharon also pointed out that the center is expecting a rush of manufacturers trying to get their emergency use authorized products on the market permanently, which he described as several waves of additional work for center employees. In fact, in an effort to try to stave off a last-minute rush of EUA holders trying to get clearance for their product, Shern has been saying for many months, in fact, all the way back in October, that companies with EUA products that want to keep them on the market post-pandemic shouldn't wait until the public health emergency is over to get those products approved by the agency. That's right. Uh, what else did Shern say during the podcast? Well, I'll let our listeners check out the AdvaMed podcast on their own, so I won't talk about everything that was discussed on their podcast on our own podcast. But I think one other important takeaway was that Sharon said the agency's backlog of in vitro diagnostic submissions not related to COVID-19 will begin abating very soon. He acknowledged back in April that IVD submissions not related to COVID-19 have been taking much longer than usual and that there were delays in reviews of those product submissions, obviously because of the pandemic. Nevertheless, he said, quote, we will in the next few weeks make sure that every non-COVID pre-market submission that was held up is moving forward, unquote. And he was talking about non-COVID-19 IVD submissions there. Interesting, and something to keep an eye out for sure. And hey, one more thing. A week ago, you reported that a draft of the FDA's new harmonized quality system regulation was finally coming this month. What's going on there? That's right. Uh, we were the first to report on June 11th that the FDA had officially scheduled the release of its draft QSR this month in June. The agency has been harmonizing its QSR with International Quality Systems Standard ISO 13485 for more than three years now. But before industry, which is highly anticipating this new draft QSR, before industry breaks out the champagne, keep in mind that this is the sixth time the FDA has scheduled the draft to be released. The fifth and most recent self-imposed deadline the agency missed was this past February. So we'll see what happens. There are still 12 days left in the month, so anything is possible, but I wouldn't necessarily hold my breath. Yeah, that's true. And the new quality system regulation, well, assuming they keep the name quality system regulation, uh, that will impact basically the, all device manufacturers, right? Absolutely. A company can't sell a medical device in the United States without following the FDA's regulation on quality systems. Interesting. Yeah, just as I thought. 
Okay, then, that wraps up this week's Device Week podcast. Head on over to MedTechInsight.com to find those stories on FDA Device Center Director Jeff Shuren and the new upcoming draft quality system regulation and Danny's story on Medufa 5, which I know industry is going to be closely watching. Also, while you're at MedTechInsight.com, check out all the latest MedTech policy and regulation news and analysis. And Always remember, you can find us on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. Until next time, thanks for listening.